Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. Joe, never a dull day with this team, that's for sure. News came out today that Tony D'Angelo was placed on unconditional waivers, according to multiple national reports, for the purpose of a contract buyout. So essentially, if he goes unclaimed, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. The story here is that D'Angelo's tenure with the Flyers is done after one season. Another subtraction for Danny Briere in this rebuild. Really a messy situation, a messy finish with the D'Angelo tenure. Uh, this is a player that the Flyers gave up multiple draft picks to acquire. They committed $5 million a year to him over two years. The second year was going to be this season, and they get absolutely nothing in return for him. Joe, what was your reaction when you saw the D'Angelo news? Well, you know, it, it, it's a shame that a hometown kid couldn't um, when they signed D'Angelo, we talked on this podcast, plenty of people talked about how this could be a sort of reclamation project, right? For a hometown, a Philly kid, um, Philly area kid. I believe his parents grew up in South Philly and he's from um, South Jersey. Mm-hmm. But, th- you know, that he could kind of redeem and sort of recapture uh, and get a fresh start on his career. And it just didn't go that way. And I think we all suspect it's just the him and the coach. They just didn't see eye to eye. And it became maybe at the beginning, it was some more subtle things. And then obviously near the end of the season, it became bigger things, things that got him benched, things that got him basically told to stay away. Um, and, you know, we know that this, this has been a polarizing player, um, Outside of the year that he was in Carolina, you didn't hear much about it. But, of course, when he was with the Rangers, we heard a lot about things he was involved in, many of them off the ice. Um, he's a skilled player. He really is. And last year, I think the Flyers' power play ran best when he was running the power play. Um, but that said, I guess there's only so much you can put up with. And... Really, if the choice is between the coach and the player in this situation, the coach is going to win every time. The coach is going to be the one they side with. And you also don't want to have somebody like, and I'm not saying that D'Angelo would have def, would have definitely been this, but if you ha- you don't want to create a, a malcontent situation with a rebuild, rebuilding team with young players on it. And this could have certainly headed that way. And it almost had that feel at the end of last season that it was getting to that point. Um, but, you know, it, I, I think it's a shame 
as you said, a lot of resources committed to him, capital or, you know, draft capital, money, you know, commitment, and you get nothing on return. And not only do you get nothing, but you get at minimum, it's what, 1.66 over the next two years against your cap at minimum. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's not really a way to put a positive spin on this situation. Um, some of these other ones, okay, you know, you, you, you get some return for Provorov. You know, th- this one is a um, – there's not a way to look at this as a win. This is uh, the new regime cleaning up some business from the old regime. I mean, there's not really any other way to put it, and, you know – uh, I suspect that they had a trade all lined up. Um, Eric Carlson's name is floating all over the place, and Carolina is heavily associated with those rumors. And you suspect with the price tag that Carlson comes with, that is holding up anything with D'Angelo. And I think that's kind of what brought this situation to a head. The Flyers have to figure out what their defense core is going to look like. You can't do that when you have a player in limbo and not only a player, but one that if he is in your defense core, he's going to be in your top four and he's going to be in your top power play. Because if really, if D'Angelo is not one of your top four defensemen and on your top power play, I mean, those are the bread and butter of his game. So we know a lot of the problems Torts had with him last year was the defensive side of the ice. And, you know, the, it, it just came to a head, and I think we all knew it was headed this way, but I think we hoped that there might be a trade partner out there, and obviously that appears to be out the window at this point. So I guess what Danny Briere decided was that they have to cut their losses, and you know, to do it this way saves you some money on the cap. Um, so it is what it is, but it's time for them to move on now. With Briere and the Provrov trade, I think the consensus overall was that it was like a home run. And then the next two subtractions did not go well for the Flyers. I mean, the Kevin Hayes trade, they didn't make out well on. We talked about that for various reasons. D'Angelo, they can't get anything in return for him. They have to put him on unconditional waivers. The Flyers didn't help themselves with D'Angelo whatsoever. Committing $5 million made it tough to move him. And then benching him for the final five games of the season didn't help. We all know there was something there with Tortorella and D'Angelo. And, I mean, the Flyers probably should have saw that coming. I mean, John Tortorella is a personality. Tony D'Angelo is a personality. Personalities clash. And Tortorella said last summer that that could be a good thing, that he was going to embrace that, that he knew they were going to clash at some point. Well, clearly he didn't like it at the end of the season because he sat him for the final five games. And I wonder if Carolina, at this point, knew the Flyers were hell-bent on getting rid of him. like. It wasn't like Carolina thought, oh, well, maybe they want D'Angelo. Maybe at some point the Flyers are going to be okay keeping D'Angelo. No, I think they knew the Flyers were going to get rid of him some way, somehow. So why even give up anything for him? And I think think this is a big problem with this offseason. And when I say big problem, I'm talking about a big problem for Danny Briere to deal with. And the problem is that in certain situations, Hayes, this one with D'Angelo, the cards are on the table. The coach made it clear these guys were not coming back. Yep. If you're a team that's interested in these guys, why are you going to put stuff out there when the when the cards are on the table? It they 
it's almost been told to you that if you wait it out, you could get one of these guys on the cheap, which both of these teams did now. Well, we're assuming he goes to Carolina. That hasn't happened yet. But definitely with the Kevin Hayes situation, like he didn't get along with the coach. Kevin said there was a message sent and he received it. The coach didn't really talk about Kevin Hayes. It was obvious where that was headed. So the cards are on the table. Why are you going to put anything out there? Right. I mean, it's not like uh, it, it, it's not like he, Hayes was a 50 goal scorer. It's not like D'Angelo had 65, 70 points as a defenseman this past season for, for the Flyers. I mean, they're, he had a great year in Carolina two years ago. But look at the contract that the Flyers gave him. That, that just tells you that there wasn't, it's not as if there was a bidding war for this player. And now you're another year later and another clash with a coach and the everything that preceded him coming to the Flyers. I mean, the, the cards are on the table and you're not going to win a game when your cards are on the table. No, exactly. And what's a shame about it, too, is, I mean, this Tony D'Angelo is he's 27. He has a couple 50 point seasons on his resume. Uh, he led the Flyers defense in points, assists. Uh, goals, I believe, as well, and you get nothing in return for him. But again, yeah, this was this was the reality for the Flyers. Uh, but the fact, yeah, that they couldn't get anything is definitely not, you know, definitely not good. It's not good that the Flyers could not get anything for this player and had to come to this point. Um, but I think it had to be done, Joe. And I do think Danny Breer's hands have very much been tied this offseason with with some of these players in terms of the subtraction. These guys. They had to subtract here. You know, the likes of Kevin Hayes and Tony D'Angelo were likely not going to be coming back for a part of the rebuild. The running was on the wall. They had to get rid of them some way, somehow. I don't know what happened with Carolina and Tony D'Angelo in that trade and why it never went through. Uh, but this is what happened, and now the Flyers, I think, have to deal with it. I think one thing it definitely does is it opens up um, a spot on defense for, for a kid, and I think it opens the door for Cam York to really kind of take the reins of the power play and take on D'Angelo's responsibilities. He has to, right? Now it's your it's your it's your it's your turn. Yeah. And you got to step up and 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 take the reins. I mean, there's nobody there to take it from you right now. Yeah. Uh so it's all yours. You know, go out you got to go out and prove it and the Flyers need him to be that guy. Yep. He was a first round pick for a reason. This is what they had in mind. You saw some of it last year, his ability, things like that. It needs to be consistent from the beginning of the season now. And, um, you know, I, I think if you really thought about it as the season was going on and you constantly heard John Tortorella bringing up the subtractions, you could have figured out that this is where some of this was going to go. Yeah. It was going to be ugly getting rid of some of these guys because of contracts, because of um, really the way – the. I don't know if I would call it ruthless, but John Tortorella's style is if I don't like the way this guy's playing, I'm going to bench him. And he's not thinking about what it's going to mean three months from now or what it's going to mean the next offseason or what it's going to mean two weeks from now. He's thinking about that particular moment. But the problem is that those actions then they start to put those cards out on the table and then it becomes this it becomes the Kevin Hayes situation it becomes this Tony D'Angelo situation you mentioned the trade and there was that whole thing with the blues in there too 
Now, I think when we first all saw those reports and those rumors that one weekend where that big trade with the Blues that had Tory Krug coming to the Flyers, that looked like almost something that was a little bit too good to be true. And I think what we're seeing now with Hayes and then this move, that was too good to be true. That that had to be somewhat fabricated because, I mean, they go from getting a former all-star, a power play quarterback, veteran player like Krug. And I know he had a no movement clause, which seemed to be part of the issue here. But you go from that possible scenario to a scenario where you trade Hayes, you trade, you, you're buying out, releasing D'Angelo, and you're really getting almost nothing back for both of those players mm-hmm. where both of their names were involved in this huge potential trade. And that included, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, Sanheim's name, it included uh, Lawton. I mean, th- yeah. that was a blockbuster type of deal. And who know? I'm sure parts of that had grains of truth. But I mean, really, when you look at what just happened with these last two moves, that had to be a little um, smokescreenish because it's clear the market for these two players was not um, competitive and, and there just really wasn't much out there. Yeah. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know what, Jordan? Just one other point. When Chuck Fletcher took over, I felt like he had to do a little bit of this stuff from the Hextall regime with some contracts that were there, guys that were kind of not living up to the contracts they signed when Ron Hextall was the GM was here. So I think there's a little bit of this in every Every time a general manager changes, you have to kind of, I mean, there's no GMs that are batting a thousand. So there's always going to be leftover things that have to be cleaned up. This particular team has the kind of things that are not easily cleaned up. They're long-term, like term contracts with sizable amounts of money on them for players that were not really showcased at their best. I will say D'Angelo was showcased at his best for a good portion of last season. But again, when you bench him for the final five games, that is not, um, there's not a team that's going to see that and go, I got to rush and get that guy. Right. And I'm not, that's not anything against D'Angelo, but what I'm saying is another team is not going, that other teams are going to wonder why that guy got benched before they start talking about him coming there Carolina makes sense because he already was there they already know and their roster is not much different from when Tony D'Angelo was there so I think that is a different situation and maybe really at this point the only situation that's going to work for D'Angelo is to go back there and give it another shot yeah where he thrived under Rob Brandon Moore and clearly it's a coach that Tony D'Angelo wants to play for wants to respect uh, Brandon Moore is known to get everything out of his players and especially buy-in and yeah, the, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people might not be super happy with how Danny Breer made on on these last two subtractions, the D'Angelo waivers, Hayes trade, but these were not ideal situations. Like Breer's coming in, like you said, very much having to rebuild and clean up a bit. I mean, and it's very common in hockey when, when you fire a GM and bring in a new GM, it's clearly you're changing vision, you're changing approach. Uh, and things need to be cleaned up. Uh, 
Chuck Fletcher had it very similar with Ron Hextall. Danny Breyer's now having it very similar with Chuck Fletcher. Because not long ago, the Flyers were a win away from the East Final. It, it wasn't that long ago where they were thinking they were on the cusp of contending and, and taking that next step. And suddenly, very quickly, they are rebuilding and having to move players out and try to get younger. And it makes for tough decisions, tough negotiations on players where opposing teams know you're not looking to keep this player. And one thing I'll say about Tony D'Angelo I thought he was a fine teammate here. I really think he's grown from his younger days Absolutely. in terms of dealing with people, dealing with teammates. If you go back, you watch, you listen. This year, if he had a bad game, a bad play, he was accountable. He always faced the media. He had no problem admitting when he screwed up, when he was bad. Um, from all accounts, from talking to different people, his teammates, he got along with people. He was a good teammate. Um I think he deserves some credit there. I don't think he deserves all the flack he'll probably catch for no longer being here for playing for multiple teams now over the last couple of years. Um, he was a fine teammate. Now, listen, you can argue that he wasn't a fine teammate by getting benched and getting into it with the coach, but that's more player coach. Um, that's more separate of his teammates. I thought he was a fine human being, at least in the Flyers locker room, uh, but it didn't work here. It didn't, it didn't work because the team is now rebuilding and he just doesn't fit their timeline, and he did not get along with the coach. That was clear cut at the end, and the Flyers had to part ways. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't. Um, the Flyers didn't make out well on these last two subtractions. But I do think that's also the reality of a rebuilding team uh, with a new GM. The reason you're rebuilding is because the previous regime made mis some mistakes, right? Uh, in this case, well, the Hayes case, a bigger mistake, and I won't say it's a mistake. The problem, the meshing of the coach, maybe it wasn't a mistake when it happened, then it turns into something you're kind of stuck with when the coach and the player don't get along. And that's the same with both of these. Now, D'Angelo, you signed, I they got him right when Torts came in. So it's, yep. that was a, they came in together and it, it just didn't work out. And listen, the social media stuff, the people getting on Tony D'Angelo, Let's be honest. A lot of that has to do with things that don't have to do with hockey, yeah. um, which we're not going to get into. But, <laughs> you know, that's what people like to focus on a lot of the times. But I agree with you. He was a stand up guy. Uh, you didn't have you didn't have anyone else accusing him of being a bad teammate. No. You didn't even have John Tortorella accusing him of that. Torts didn't come out and say what happened. But I think we can surmise what happened is John Tortorella is an old school coach and he is not interested in so much in defensemen that don't play the defensive side of the ice. Yeah. And let's be honest, that's where Tony struggles. But when you brought him here, you knew that that's where he struggled. Right. So I always had said this back when the Eagles signed Terrell Owens, you brought him in. This is a man. This is somebody who's behaved like a child when they didn't get what they wanted for a good their career up to that point and their career after the Eagles. And then you act surprised when they act like a child. And that's, so I think th there has to be some fault, but again, that's the fault of the previous regime. Yeah. It's not the fault of these guys. I mean, you know, if you saw a way to improve your team, maybe he's motivated by a start in his, a fresh start in his hometown. We, you know, I was thinking about this today when I saw when news first crossed the remember the Instagram post when Tony signed here. It was 
I grew up wearing this jersey and all these feelings about how, you know, how happy he was. And I was thinking that, wow, that went south very quickly. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anybody would be surprised by it. Uh, and, you know, I, we're not we're obviously the two of us are not saying he's a bad guy. We both dealt with him several times and he was a great guy to deal with. But he clearly has a style that is not going to mesh with the way certain people coach. And John Tortorella is one of those guys. Yeah. And I'm not excusing what Tony's done in the past. I, I, I know he said a racial slur back when he was playing junior hockey as a teenager and he was punished for it and, and uh, was regretful about it. I know what happened with the Rangers and why that ended on bad terms, but I'm talking about the 27 year old Tony D'Angelo that played for the Flyers from all accounts. He, he took strides in, in terms of being a teammate and being a good voice in the locker room and not a distraction, but uh, clearly he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. I, you know, if he didn't, uh, clash with the head coach, if he didn't do something that warranted that five-game benching, perhaps he would still be here because John Tortorella also praised him a lot. Talked about, talked about D'Angelo having one of the best outlet passes in the NHL. He talked about he likes his personality, that he's not a choir boy, that he he plays with fire and passion. And uh, he also at one point said he thought D'Angelo could be a part of this moving forward even when they started to embrace the rebuild. He thought D'Angelo could be a part of this. But something happened. It didn't work out, and the Flyers realized they had to subtract and and free some cap, get younger, and really embrace this rebuild. Not just say it, but actually do it. And that that included parting ways with Tony D'Angelo. Uh, Joe, overall, your thoughts on Danny Breer's off season? I think this is probably the last of the subtraction. We'll see. Really, at this point, I'm not sure anything else is going to happen uh, until the season starts. We'll see. But I think the off season, in a nutshell is kind of here and done with uh, for Danny Breer. Yeah, and if you look at it, I think that the negativity that may have existed in that dressing room between the coach and some players, that's what has been gotten rid of these last two moves. Mm -hmm. um, now you have young, eager players in there. Um, you have guys who have, uh, I'll just use Owen Tippett as an example, who, have, uh, who, who said that Tortorella coached them hard. And it, his game benefited because of it. If this team's going to thrive and succeed and move forward, though, that's the kind of stories that need to be spread throughout that locker room to guys coming in, the guys that were already here, guys that were with the Phantoms that are now going to get a bigger opportunity here. They need to embrace that fully. And I do think guys like Cam Atkinson coming back, Mark Stahl, guys that know torts will be good for those younger players to kind of say, Hey, wait a second. Before you jump the gun, you know, over a disagreement with the coach or whatever it might be, and give them an example of something. And I know from talking to Scott Hartnell all the times that happened with him, and he has told me several times he wished that he had torts when he was a younger player as opposed to when he was, you know, after the Flyers. So I think, I think that now it's, it, it can only go up yeah. at this point. So, um, I think his off season has been pretty good. I'm going to say, you know, he didn't have much to work with with these last two moves. Um, you're not dealing with, uh, a lot of attractive qualities when you look at the contracts and numbers that were with Tony D'Angelo and Hayes. So, um, you can't really fault him there. Uh, but 
I do think he's done a good job of changing the outlook of this team. Um, and, you know, we'll see if, if the, the other additions that are made. And, of course, the Couturier and Atkinson coming back, which we all assume will happen, is going to be, you know, huge additions for this team. Yeah, and to me, rebuild means you're you're clearing players, you're clearing cap by moving players that make top dollar, and you're getting rid of some of your better players. I mean, Ivan Provorov was the team's highest paid defenseman and arguably their best defenseman, and Kevin Hayes was an all-star and their highest paid forward that played last season. So Breer was able to shed, you know, those two guys to, I think, back up the rebuild mindset for sure. Um, so I think he's been a man of his word. And I will say back in March, he said he didn't think this was a fire sale. He thought there were some players here that could fit. So I thought he's backed that up too. I didn't expect him to blow it up. I expected him absolutely to listen on the likes of Carter Hart, Scott Lawton, Travis Sanheim, Travis Konechny. And I think he did very much listen, but I didn't expect him to blow it up just yet. Now, could there be moves uh, you know, during the season when that, that, when that trade deadline gets closer? Absolutely. And then next summer? Absolutely. But um, I think he's been a man of his word. I think he's held up his end of the bargain. And I do like how he made out on the Provorov trade. And I do think the reality was there for Hayes and D'Angelo. Um, I don't. I didn't expect them to make out particularly well. I thought they could have made out better on Hayes. I do. do think they could have gotten better than a six-round pick and eating half salary. But that's what happened. I think Breer's done fine. I think he's backed up his vision a little bit. And I do think they're moving in the right direction. And lastly, I do think John Torello can be a, a coach for this. I still think he can be a guy that can rebuild a team, work with young talent. Um, and I think in-house, the Flyers probably expect they can get better quicker than maybe some people envision. Do think it's a rebuild and it could take three to five years, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how good their young players are and uh, we'll see how quickly John Tortorella can kind of mesh them and mold it together and, and see where it goes. Yeah, I don't think there's been any move where we've been surprised. Yeah. Right. I think we all saw the Hayes move coming. We all saw something happening with D'Angelo. Uh, Provorov, maybe. Yeah. But again, we, we knew this was a guy that had some disagreements with the coach and Sort of, it seemed like their styles clashed a little bit. So I wouldn't call that a full-blown surprise out of the moves that happened. I would say that was the biggest surprise, but that's not really saying much because the other ones I think are ones that we all assumed were happening anyway. Um, so I I think they're sticking right to the plan. They've been consistent with this messaging all along. And uh, th so far they've stuck with the plan. Exactly. And free agency, they didn't really add anything in terms of long-term deals and, and any players that are going to make them a contender. Like They added around the margins, nice little support for the rebuild, but nothing that's going to turn them into, I think, a playoff team. And I thought they made out well in the draft. They swung high on upside, on talent, um, and, and really valued the long game in the draft, which I thought was important, too. So I've, I've been fine with Danny Breer's work. Um, I think he's um, given fans to... He's given fans the reason to have faith in what he's doing and Keith Jones as well. Uh, but we'll see where it all goes. Uh, it's definitely been a busy offseason, Joe, with no days where you're just like, ah, not much has happened. <laughs> no, it's been nonstop. Um, and that's what happens, I think, when you're changing the front office and you're rebuilding. Yeah, and I'll say this, too. I, there's a lot of discussion about when they got brought in Hathaway and it was, is he going to block one of the kids? You can't just have a team of all kids. Yeah, you can't. You can't do it. You can't do that in the NHL. Yeah. You, you have to have 
some veterans in there. Couturier, Atkinson coming back. Yes, they're veterans. But when you look around, I mean, Konechny's a veteran, still a younger player. Farabee's in, in the league a few years. These are young players. They need to learn from guys. Uh, Garnet Hathaway has played for winning teams. Uh, Mark Stahl played for winning teams. You know, you bring in Ryan Paling, who's kind of a, a guy who's really had to work for everything he's gotten in this league. You cannot just go to battle with a bunch of guys that you're not sure if they're NHL players yet. Yeah. That you you ha- you know you need some stability there because the only way you get be- you know most when you talk to players that are great players or were great players, they always talk about the guys they learned from when they weren't great players. You can't just have a bunch of young kids there because yeah. then there's nobody for the young guys to learn from. And I think that's a big deal. And I think that's an oversight when people, I mean, breaking news, people overreact on social media about everything. But when people react in that sort of way, I don't think they're thinking about who are the influences on the young players. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they've provided here. Again, you're not bringing in a guy that's going to make you a contender or two guys, you're bringing in stability, stable veterans, guys that have played in the league for a long time. It can be a good influence on the guys that are going to be here through the rebuild. Yeah, and I think the challenge for Briere, Tortorella, and particularly Tortorella because he makes the lineup, he decides who's playing, who's not, is not blocking their kids in the sense that if their kids are performing and they're dictating where they should play, you need to play them in good spots and not have the guys that Danny Briere acquired block them. It's okay that they're in their lineup and it's it's okay that they're here, but if they need to sit for for the use of a, a young player getting, you know, more minutes or getting what he deserves, that should happen. And, and I, I think, think when what, it doesn't happen, yeah, that's a problem. And I think what John Tortorella showed you last year is that that will happen. Yeah. You know, everything from him trying different guys seemingly every game for a big stretch there in the middle of the season to him sitting up top with Danny Briere to watch some of the games and see what they had. He's not afraid to do anything regardless of what players names are stature in the league contracts, how many years they've been, all that sort of stuff. He's not afraid to try it. So I have no concern in that area with John Tortorella in terms of if this guy needs to play, or he's earned the playing time, he's going to get the playing time and they're going to see and make sure they have what they think they have or find out what they have. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, spot on. And uh, yeah, crazy summer, crazy off season, but it was to be expected. And Joe, we'll still have some podcasts in July, the rest of July in August, uh, even when it's slow, we'll be talking flyers and really getting ready for training camp and all the discussion that will be had about that. Uh, and year two under John Tortorella. But Joe, thank you so much for joining me, chatting about Tony D'Angelo in the news today. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, for always being flexible with our time. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.